Sky Caramba, November 20th to 26th, 2022. Cetus the Sea Monster is easily in view in early evening. Its most famous star is Myra, but you can't see it with the naked eye right now. The variable star is heading toward the dimmest part of its 11-month cycle. If you have a telescope and a dark enough sky, you can see Myra dim to about magnitude 10 around the end of December. It'll brighten up to maximum brightness in the naked eye range about the middle of next June. It gets as bright as about magnitude 3.3 and sometimes brighter. You see, it's variable in its variability. Uranus is near Cetus, with the moon going through new phase this week. It's a good time to spot the planet in binoculars or a telescope. It's close to the limit of naked eye visibility, so not having moonlight helps. A star chart will help you spot the planet. And if your eyes are good and your sky is dark, you may not even need magnification. Jupiter is stationary in the western end of Pisces. It begins direct motion, that is, going eastward on Thursday. Saturn is moving eastward on the eastern side of Capricornus. Both planets are near the meridian as darkness begins. To northern hemisphere viewers, they're in the south. And to southern viewers, they're more overhead. The Pleiades are up all night, and the Hyades are following them closely, so they're up almost all night. Mars rises not long after them in very early evening. The red planet is retrograde and seems to be going back toward the Pleiades, and it will continue on that trek for about a month and a half, and then slow down before it gets to the Seven Sisters and turn around. Gemini and Orion rise in mid-evening. Leo rises a little after midnight. Bootes rises in the wee hours. Virgo is right of it and is home to a waning crescent moon on Sunday and Monday mornings. Mercury and Venus have recently had conjunctions with the Sun. This week they're having a conjunction with each other. They're still too close to the Sun, though, for us to see them, just 1.3 degrees apart on Monday. If you're at about 12 degrees south, you might spot them very close to the horizon after sunset toward the end of the week. They'll still be fairly close to each other. That's the latitude at which they appear to be most directly over the sun at sunset. The moon is new at 2258 Universal Time on Wednesday. If you want to try your luck finding a 14-hour-old moon on Thursday, look also for Venus just 2.3 degrees away to the north. They'll be closest at 1309 UT. Mercury's between them. It's dimmer, so it's harder to find amid the glare of sunset. The moon reaches perigee on Saturday at 362,800 kilometers or 225,400 miles away. It's at southern Lunastus the same day, 27.5 degrees from the equator. If you get into the business of calculating planets' positions, You'd better like hard math, or at least be able to tolerate it well. You'll be dealing with trigonometry, geometry, algebra, and calculus. A few centuries ago, astronomers who couldn't do that kind of math themselves hired mathematicians who were rightly called computers and calculators. In the 1800s, Austrian astronomer Theodor von Oppolzer hired teams of computers or calculators to figure out where eclipses were or would be visible. He did plenty of computing himself. He was said to have memorized some 14,000 logarithm values. 
Those are numbers that you can use in place of other numbers to make math easier. Instead of multiplying ordinary numbers, you use their logarithm values, add them, and use a logarithm table to convert the sum back to the ordinary number that equals what you would have gotten in the first place with regular multiplication. That actually sounds like making more work, and for most people's day-to-day -day math needs, it is. It becomes a time saver in scientific applications, though, when you have long decimal strings, sines, cosines, and such. It's a big time saver in division, when instead of dividing a number by another, you start with a log value and subtract the other log value. Oh yeah, sines, cosines, and tangents also have their own tables. Human beings who either knew these numbers by memory or could quickly look them up used to figure out where planets would be in the sky, how long eclipses would last, and when the moon's phases would happen. Now, they were accurate enough for their time. If a planet's position was a tiny fraction of a degree off from what was predicted, an astronomer moved the telescope a little bit and didn't worry about it too much. With the electronic computer becoming a commonplace thing, human computers turned from calculating positions themselves to programming machines to do it. The electronic computer can run the formulae thousands of times before a human computer does it once and with a lot more precision. That leads to very accurate tracks for the planets and other objects. One of the benefits is that with software like Stellarium, you can see exactly how the sky looked or will look down to the second from anywhere on Earth and even from other solar system objects. Another benefit is you can now get a telescope with a tracker and motors that move the scope exactly as needed to keep an object in sight as the Earth turns and as the object moves. That's especially helpful for tracking satellites. With the electronic computer becoming a commonplace thing, human computers turned from calculating positions themselves to programming machines to do it. The electronic computer can run the formulae thousands of times before a human computer does it once and with a lot more precision. That leads to very accurate tracks for the planets and other objects. One of the benefits is that with software like Stellarium, you can see exactly how the sky looked or will look down to the second from anywhere on Earth and even from other solar system objects. Another benefit is you can now get a telescope with a tracker and motors that move the scope exactly as needed to keep an object in sight as the Earth turns and as the object moves. That's especially helpful for tracking satellites. Sky Caramba, 